Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, good evening to you all. It's lovely to see you. Happy Chinese New Year. Um, and uh, let's pray. Shall we do keep your Bible open? That uh, page 1128, uh, start of Romans. Uh, let me pray. Um, the final uh, bit that Timmy just read there. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that this evening we would know uh, your grace and we know your peace. And we pray as we look at your word that uh, by your spirit you be at work amongst us and in each one of us. And Heavenly Father, we pray that, that you'd help me as I speak, but that you would be at work in each one of us tonight, that we might be transformed by your grace, uh, by your peace, by your love for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be examining the very simple statement, three words, you are loved. You are loved. And right at the start, I want to say that um, Johnny Gumble has written a great book called Loved, uh, and this was the sort of spur uh, for this whole sermon series. Now, uh, we all know that the power of love, uh, love has been the motive for so many songs that have been written. It's uh, been the motive for so many films that have been produced. Uh, so many courageous acts in this world have been motivated by love. Uh, so too, many acts of stupidity have also had love at their root as well. Um, I, I, I don't know if you saw just on social media this little clip last couple of weeks of two little boys, uh, two twins, listening to Whitney Houston singing her famous song, I Will Always Love you. It's just a 20-second clip. Uh, have a but watch. But above this, I wish you love. And I, I will always love you. I love it how it just puts the popcorn back. Got to keep it neat and tidy, these things. Uh, now, that clip, why did I show it you? I, sh I just showed you just to remind us that it is powerful to be on the receiving end of someone declaring that you are loved. To be on the receiving end of that, it is powerful. And at the start of a year, with all sorts of challenges for most of us, all of us, so many people in this world at all sorts of levels, where there are warring countries, warring politicians, a warring royal family, a warring national church, and a war on our wallets, I think that we could do with knowing that we are 
loved. Because for each one of us, our most fundamental need as a human being is to be loved. Uh, If you've ever been to a wedding that I've taken, you will probably have heard me quote Victor Hugo in the wedding sermon, because basically I've only got one wedding sermon, and there is a quote by Victor Hugo in it. Um, Victor Hugo once said this, you'll have heard me say it as I say, uh, he said this, the greatest happiness of life is the conviction that we are loved. Just as we keep that up for a moment, just look at it again and just take God in what he says. He says, the greatest happiness of life, it is the conviction that we're loved. That's the the root of our happiness, the conviction that we loved. I think he's right. And in times of instability and insecurity, as we find ourselves in at the moment, our culture actually, I think, increasingly is recognizing that we need to hear this message again and again and again. Let me give you a couple of examples. First one, the singer Cleo Soul, who won the best R&B soul act in the 2021 MOBO Awards. Uh, She sings a song where the lyrics go as follows. She sings, know that you're loved even when you don't love yourself. And those words in her song, they just go round and round and round on repeat. They are the only words in the entire three, four minute song. She just sings it again and again. Know that you're loved even when you don't love yourself. Or or Charlie Mackesy with his hit, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. So many of his pictures have this theme. Let me just show you two of them. Uh, One is this. It just says, life is difficult, but you are loved. Or another one says this. It says, always remember that you matter, that you're important, and you're loved. And you bring to this world things that no one else can. You see, so many people, particularly I think at the moment, recognize that you are loved is what we all need to hear at the moment. Now, it sounds a wonderful statement, but quite frankly, we do have to ask, is it actually true? Is it true? You know, for the person without any friends or family, maybe they they live alone, they're totally isolated, are they actually loved by anyone? Yeah, for the person who's just been dumped by their long-term partner, they certainly don't feel loved. For me, where uh, one of the per- people who has loved me best in my life, my dad, uh, he died earlier this month and we had his funeral just on Friday. His, his love for me is no longer there to be experienced and I feel that loss like mad. Uh, Even Whitney Houston's song, she sings, I won't sing it for you, I will always love you. Um, But when she sings it, she's actually talking about somebody leaving someone else. So she sings these words. She sings, if I should stay, I would only be in your way. So goodbye, please don't cry. We both know I'm not what you need. Uh, I will always love you. Um, So, is it really true? Is it true to declare, quite simply to everyone, you are loved? Or is it actually just some sort of trite saying to be found on one of those love heart suites? Which is it? In another of Charlie Mackesy's drawings, he he says this. He says, when things are difficult, remember who you are. Who am I? Asked the boy. 
You are loved, said the horse. And I think Charlie Maxey, in this picture, he is pointing us in the right direction, saying it is all a question of identity. It's a question of identity, of knowing who we are. Who am I? Asked the boy. And it's a good question for each one of us to ask of ourselves, who am I? You know, for me, I'm a 46-year-old who has just lost his dad. I'm a a vicar of a church that has just lost its pews. Uh, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm someone increasingly unfit with rapidly graying hair, as some of my delightful colleagues like to regularly point out. Often with identity, we start to base our identity, our value, our worth on comparison, which leads to pride if we define ourselves as better than someone else, or it leads to insecurity if we define ourselves as worse than someone else. So I'm a vicar of a bigger church than so-and-so, pride. I'm an Instagram account holder with 350 less followers than Jamie Mulvaney. Uh, or over a thousand less followers than one of my children. (laughs) Insecurity. So often it is when things are taken away from us that we struggle with our identity. You know, the person who fails an exam or, or loses their job or retires. We then question in that moment, you know, who am I? And we suddenly discover that our sense of worth, our sense of value, our identity, it was too much wrapped up in that thing that has now been taken away from us. Any letter in the Bible, it starts with identity. It starts with the identity of who the letter is to and who the letter is from. And that's what we had read by Timmy. We had read the very start of Paul's letter to the Romans, written probably in AD 57. And what we're going to do over these next four weeks, we're going to look at little bits of this letter of Romans. And I just want us to see particularly this evening, verse 7. And just to look at verse 7, and as we look at verse 7, just to see what Paul says about the identity of the people that he is writing to in Rome. So just look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. What is the identity of the people that Paul is writing to? What does he say? He says, to all in Rome who are loved by God. Paul has just one thing to say about their identity. Just one thing. He says these Christians in Rome, they're not defined by their success or by their failure. They're not defined by comparison, by uh, how they compare against somebody else, whoever it might be, which would make them proud or would make them insecure. But very simply, their identity, who they are, it is defined in relation to one thing, being loved. Being loved by God. They're in Rome, but they are not defined by the culture of Rome. If you look at that verse again as it comes back up on the screen, it says, To all in Rome who are loved by God. You see, the love of God, it doesn't just change the way that you think, or the way you feel, or the way you act. But the love of God, it changes your very identity. Descartes famously said, I think, therefore I am. But the Christian says, I am loved by God and therefore I am. 
Every single person here, you are loved by God. And really today, in this first talk in this little series, I very simply want to, if you like, say two things about that simple statement that you are loved by God. Here's the thing. You are loved by God. First thing I'd love us to get hold of. It is true. Whoever you are. Whoever you are here, it is true that you are loved by God. One of the things that many people find difficult is to believe that they're loved by God. Now, personally, for me, uh, to believe that I'm loved by God hasn't been something that I have found particularly difficult to believe. And it's not because I'm sort of standing here going, aren't I wonderful? God's so lucky to have me. It's not that, okay? Just so we're clear. I think a big reason why I've found it relatively easy to know that I'm loved by God, it's because of my dad. On Friday at the funeral, I had to speak and do a tribute and an address. And I spoke about how my dad, my dad wasn't super capable. He wasn't super impressive. I mean, dad did some pretty cool things in his time. He danced with the queen mother once and he trod on her toes. Um, At school, he kissed Mary Rand, who went on to be the 1964 Olympic long jump gold medalist. Uh, He competed in the Winter World Championships for bobsleigh, driving the GB3 Bob, and they came last. (laughs) But Dad didn't particularly excel in his jobs or in his exams. But what Dad did excel in was in being an amazing dad. My dad was amazingly super loving. I never, ever doubted his love for me, not even for one second. I knew that I was loved by my dad no matter what, even when I did things wrong. And whilst, of course, dad's love for me was not perfect, Knowing the constant, unconditional love of an earthly father, I think, made it a whole lot easier for me to know the perfect, constant, unconditional love of my heavenly father. You see, when people find it difficult to believe that they're loved by God, it is generally, in my experience, it's for one of two reasons. Some people, they don't feel loved by God because they've done something that they're particularly ashamed of. And they think, how on earth could God possibly love me when I've done this, that, or the other? Others, they don't feel loved by God, not because they've done particularly bad things, but rather because bad things have been done to them, sometimes through having an unloving father. But for whatever reason, as a result of the bad things that have been done to them, they end up with a low self-esteem and they think, how could God possibly love me? But you know, the truth is, whatever the reason is why you or I, why we might doubt that we're loved by God, the solution to that doubting we're loved by God is the same. Take Paul. Here's Paul at the start of Romans, and he's unpacking his own identity in the first few verses. And as he unpacks his own identity in the first few verses, talking about who he is, he basically gets sidetracked. So if you look at verse uh, verse 1, what does he say? He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus... But then he basically gets sidetracked and he doesn't talk about himself and his identity, but he talks instead about Jesus and Jesus' identity. The identity of Jesus is much more significant to him than his own identity. 
And you know, it is as we look to Jesus that we can know it is true that we are loved by God, whoever we are. Because we see God's love for us expressed supremely in Jesus. As you look at those opening three verses, they talk about the gospel. So verse one, the gospel of God. Verse two, the gospel he promised beforehand. The gospel, that just means good news. And it's good news, verse three, regarding his son, Jesus The gospel, it is the great story of God's love for you and for me seen in Jesus. And so if you are ever doubting whether God loves you, if you're doubting whether God loves you, the solution is not to look in at yourself. Don't look in at yourself. That won't solve the problem. But rather look up to Jesus and see Jesus' love for you. You see, nothing, nothing that any one of us has done, however bad it might be, nothing however, that any one of us has done can overturn God's love for us. And nothing that any one of us have had done to us can obliterate God's love for us. You are loved by God. Even if you're sitting here today saying, well, I'm not a Christian, surely God can't love me. Yes, he does. He loves you. That is exactly the point. Look to Jesus and you will see that through and through. You'll see Jesus loving those who currently have their backs to him. You and I, we are loved by God. And that is true, whoever you are. And then here's the second thing. First thing is knowing that you're loved by God, that is true whoever you are. Second thing I'd love us to grasp hold of is you are loved by God. It's not just true, it is transformative. It is transformative. It changes things in your life as you grasp hold of that, that you are loved by God. It is transformative whatever is going on in your life. You see, here is the problem with the you are loved catchphrase. You are loved by itself, it does not help you through the storms of life. Because if we are just thinking about being loved by other human beings, well then there are two big flaws. Here they are. All human love has two problems. All human love has two flaws. Number one, it is tainted. And number two, it is temporary. All human love is tainted in that it is never perfectly pure because we're not perfectly pure. And it is temporary because everyone will at some point leave or die. All human love, even my dad's love for me, tainted. And certainly temporary, as I've discovered all too much this last month. Whereas God's love, God's love, it is not tainted And it is not temporary. Rather, God's love, it is perfect and it is permanent. You see, the phrase, you are loved on its own, it may be rather trite. 
But the phrase, you are loved by God, that is solid and secure because it is perfect and permanent. And therefore, it can be transformative in your life and my life as we grasp that truth that we are loved by God. When you know that you're loved by God, there is no need for pretending. You know, the world might say you've got to pretend to to be sorted, pretend to be strong. But you are loved by God even when you're feeling weak and feeble as I am at the moment. That there's no need to be in total despair if you've mucked up in some way. You're still loved by God. We can be real. We don't need to pretend for we can operate out of the wonderful truth that God loves us no matter what. So there's no need for pretending And there's no need for proving yourself either. The world might say you have to prove that you are lovable. But you don't have to prove it because you are already loved. You don't need to defend or justify yourself if someone criticizes or attacks you because you are already loved. You don't need to prove that you're better than so-and-so. There is more than enough love of God to go around. You are already loved by God. This last week, I was found wanting with this. On two separate occasions, things were said to me that I found a bit hurtful. Words and actions directed at me that made me feel like others didn't like me or didn't love me. Nothing, nothing sort of majorly serious, just things that had some truth but certainly hurt a bit. And because I was not rooting my identity in being loved by God, in my response to those people, what did I do? I got more grumpy, I got more insecure, I got more cross with them rather than continuing to show love to those two individuals. You see, the problem was that I was looking to those two people to fulfill my need to be loved. I was looking to those humans to fulfill all my need for love, rather than looking to God to fulfill my need for love. I was, if you like, basing my identity on human love rather than on God's love. And so I want to finish by saying three specific ways how it could be transformative for you today, tonight, to root your identity in the truth that you are loved by God. You see, we focused on our identity, that we're loved by God. But actually, this little passage, the first seven verses of Romans, they don't just focus on our identity. They also focus on our calling. And our identity as loved by God, it actually leads to our calling. And in these first seven verses, actually, the the word called is used three times. I don't know if you spotted it. It's used three times in the first seven verses. First of all, have a look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called, called to what? Who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You see, the transformation for some people here tonight is this. 
is because you have discovered your identity as someone who is loved by God, today, maybe that will be the motive, that you're loved by God, that will be the motive for you to belong to Jesus Christ today. To say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to connect myself to you. Jesus, I I want to belong to you because I am bowled over by your love for me. There would be no more wonderful, no more joyous thing today that you could do than to respond to Jesus' love for you by saying, Jesus, I want to belong to you. Jesus, I want to know you as my Savior and my Lord. I want to begin a relationship with you. So that's the first transformation. There'll be many people here today and you are already belonging to Jesus. You've responded to that call to belong to Jesus. But there will be some here tonight and for you, today is the day in light of recognizing the wonder of being loved by God, today is the day for you to respond to that call to belong to Jesus Maybe for the very first time, maybe for some here, maybe you've been running away from Jesus the last few years and actually suddenly tonight you're going, actually, I've got to respond to that call and get back belonging to Jesus. Call to belong to Jesus. That'll be relevant for some people here tonight. Second type of transformation. Have a look up at verse one. Second time that we look at the word call. Look at what it says. (coughs) Paul A servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, today, I do not think that anybody is called to be an apostle in exactly the same way that Paul was an apostle. But certainly today, people are called into an apostolic ministry. And if you just look at that first verse, an apostolic ministry is one of being sort of set apart and sent out, particularly to call others to faith in Jesus. If you look at verse 5, it talks about that that, that through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And again, tonight, I wonder if there may be a few people here tonight because of the transformative nature of recognizing you are loved by God, You're saying, isn't it awesome? Isn't it incredible that I'm loved by God? There are some that as a result of recognizing that love for God, so I am feeling God's call to an apostolic ministry, to to being sent out perhaps in a new way in terms of preaching or evangelizing, speaking about Jesus, whether that's training to be a vicar in the Church of England, whether that's going and being a missionary in a far off land or going and being a missionary in a nearby workplace. Called to an apostolic ministry. Maybe that's what God is calling one or two people here tonight. And then third and finally, this final call, it's not just for a few people here today. Those first two, it were a few people. A few people here are being called to belong to Jesus, to respond to that call to belong to Jesus. A few people here are being called to an apostolic ministry, to to go out, to be sent out, to speak clearly about Jesus in some new way. But this third one, it's for every single one of us. Just look back at our key verse again, verse seven. Verse seven, to all in Rome 
who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Our identity is being loved by God and that leads to our calling to be holy. We're loved. That is the motive then for living a holy life. You see, it's not because I sort of think, oh, I ought to, to grudgingly look to be holy because those are the rules and I ought to do that. It's not that. No, it is because I am loved by God that in grateful response to being loved by God, I want to live a life which pleases him. See, growing up, growing up, knowing dad's amazingly consistent, his unconditional love for me, That was the motive for me most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, doing things that pleased dad and not doing things that disappointed him. I wasn't trying to sort of earn dad's love, no. I was responding to dad's love for me. And it is the same for every single one of us here with God. How will you or I, how will we live a more holy life this week, this year? How will we live a life more where we're living more like Jesus would do? It is not by just focusing on what we ought to do. That's not going to change us. But rather, it is by you and I growing in our wonder and our delight and our joy at God's love for us. And as we grow in our wonder and our joy and our delight at God's love for us, so we will be motivated to live a holy life called to be his holy people. HTC, every single one of us here, everyone here, please hear it, you are loved by God. That's true. And it's transformative.